blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Think about this. It sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when the wilderness happens. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries. Even in a year of drought, it never fails to bear fruit. And how does that happen? Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are the way maker. Thank you that nothing is impossible with you. That impossible is where you start. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to each one of us. And, God, may our view of you be exactly what Scripture says, that nothing is impossible for you and that you are the creator of all and that you can cause fruit to happen in our lives, even in a year of drought, even in difficulties, that you are alive and at work within us. Father, may we put our hope and trust in you. May our confidence be in you and you alone, I praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's so good to have you. You may be seated. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 139. Last week, uh, hopefully, uh, you remembered uh, what I'm about to say. Uh, last week, I talked about Dr. Glaze. He was a professor, uh, my major professor at seminary. And Dr. Glaze talked about uh, creating environments where people can experience the presence of God. Today is one of those days, hopefully it's this way every week, but in particular, Today is one of those days where there is just a plethora of opportunity for God to say, this is what I wanted you to hear today. Even that last song, what, what an amazing thing. Even when it doesn't feel like God is at work, he's working and he's big enough and he's powerful enough and that God is capable that we, uh, our view of God really determines where we're going to head if we believe in the power of God. So what we've been talking about is what would it look like for us to contend for the voice of God when there are all kinds of voices demanding attention from us and wanting us to adhere to them. What would it look like for us to contend for the voice of God? David is surrounded by people giving all kinds of input and saying this is what you ought to do and, and this is how you ought to feel. But David in Psalm 139 makes four amazing choices to contend for the voice of God. And the first thing he does is he chooses his provider. I do want to take a minute to talk about this one once again, and probably I'll do it again next week. But this one, everything rises and falls on your view of God. In fact, A.W. Tozer says that the most important thing that ever happens in your life is what you believe about God, whether God is big enough or not. And so David makes this choice in Psalm 139.1. He responds and says, Oh, Lord, that is his provider. The Lord is the eternal I am, the one who was, who is, and who will always be. He makes that decision. And folks, I just want to encourage you that your hope in, in all kinds of difficult times, in, in hard seasons, we use the phrase, just because you're in the wilderness doesn't mean you have to be in the ditch. David is in the wilderness, but he makes this amazing choice that God would be his provider, the eternal uh, I am. 
and we've made this statement, who or what you set your hope on, hope, hope in, sets the direction of your life because we are all driven by hope. This week as I was uh, doing one of my readings, came across uh, one in uh, New Morning Mercies, and it fits so well, so sit back and enjoy this. What we're all searching for is hope that won't disappoint us. That's what we're all searching for, a hope that won't leave us hopeless in the end. And we all want to convince ourselves that what we've placed our hope in will deliver. What are you asking of something when you place your hope in it? You're asking it to give you peace of heart. You're asking it to give your life meaning. You're asking it to give you purpose and direction. You're asking it to give you a reason to continue. You're asking it to help you get through difficulty and disappointment. You're asking it to free you from envy and anxiety. You're asking it to give you joy in the morning and rest at night. Now that's a lot to ask of anything. That fact confronts you with this reality. If your hope disappoints you, it's because it's in the wrong hope. David makes this statement, O oh Lord, that he would be, that, that the Lord would be his hope. Second that we looked at last week, that David chose God's purposes. We saw that, that God made us for a purpose. He made us on purpose. God has a purpose for us from the womb to the tomb. That even in the very beginning stages, in the, in the embryonic stage, God says, I see you, I know you, I had plans to give you a future and a hope. And so now we look at the third uh, driving point for us to contend for, God, for God's voice. Found in verses 7 to 12. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, there you are. If I go to the grave, there you are. If I ride in the wings of the morning, there you are. If I dwell by the farthest oceans, there you are. If I'm in Wahoo, Nebraska, there you are. Even there, and in your Bibles, you ought to circle, highlight, underline in verse 10. Even there, your hand will guide me, you will strengthen me, you will support me. Even there, in the extreme elements, in the extreme wilderness, in the extreme difficult times of life, even there, God is with us. And so, if you remembered from the blast sent out on Friday, five life-altering words. Let me give them to you right now. You'll want to write them down and memorize them. And here they are, the five life-altering words. I am with you always. The great I am, the one who was, who is, who always will be. The one who created everything. The one who has plans for us from the womb to the tomb. The one who says, I can cause all things to work together for good to those who love Jesus. I am with you always. You will never be alone. Where can you flee from his presence? Look at verse 7 to 12 again. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of morning, you're there. If I dwell on the farthest oceans. In other words, even when you're running and you finally get tired and you stop, guess who bumps into you? God. Because he's with you and he loves you. And it's never too late to turn to him. God is with you in the extremes. This is so huge in verses 7 to 12. He's just saying, you will never encounter anything at all 
any situation where God will not be there, will not support you, will not uh, come alongside you. So let me give you some verses, some of the plethora of verses, and I want you to find out which one did God want you to hear this morning and mark it and, and begin to dwell on it for this week. Romans eight thirty-five to 39. Can anything separate us from, the, from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we're in the wilderness, if we're in calamity, if we're in trouble, if we're persecuted, if we're hungry, if we're destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Does it mean that he doesn't love us? No. Despite all these things, we are overwhelmingly victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us in the wilderness but not in the ditch. Verse 38. For I'm convinced that nothing, absolutely nothing, can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life. Look at the extremes. Neither angels nor demons, nor fears for today, worries about tomorrow. The powers of hell cannot separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am with you always, even in the extremes. First John 4, 4. You are from God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. You don't face anything alone. God is with you, and he's in you. Back to Psalm 139, verse 9. If I ride the wings of morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans... Even there your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. I can ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. What he's saying is regardless of the circumstances that you face, Remember, God is all-powerful and all-present. You cannot run from the presence of God. God is with you right now, intricately involved. No mountain too high, no valley too low, no river too wide to keep him away from you. How about this? Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged. I am your source. I'm your hope. I'm your, the, your provider. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with one arm tied behind my back. Amazing passage. That God is with us and he will hold us and he will strengthen us and he will be with us and we don't have to fear. How about this, Deuteronomy 31, verses 6 and 8. Be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, don't, be, uh, trim, don't tremble at, at the situations around you. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail nor abandon you. And I love that he will personally go. He doesn't delegate it to somebody else. How about this? Ezekiel thirty-three fourteen. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you. You are not alone. He is with you in all situations. How about this? Zephaniah three seventeen. 
The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. Not only is God with you, he enjoys your company. He longs to be around you. Two others. Lamentations 3, 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His faithful love never ends for you, whatever season you may find yourself in. His mercies, they never cease. Great is his faithfulness. Notice his mercies. They begin afresh each morning, a brand new batch of mercies every single day for you. So I will say to myself, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my inheritance. The Lord is the one to whom I will put my hope and trust him. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend upon him, to those who search for him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Whatever you are facing, God is with you. He is with you. He's for you. He has plans to give you a future to hope. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. He, you have all you need because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So that means he's with you in all seasons. I want you to hear the story of George and Lisa Cameron, in particular Lisa. They've been part of New Cove for over 22 years. Uh, Andrew and Amanda are their grown children, uh, but have been involved with their lives. Uh, Lisa has been in some health uh, issues, horrible health issues uh, for some time over the last 10 years. Her health has been diminished. Uh, presently, back in 2019, she had a stroke, is overcoming that, uh, but is confined to a chair and uh, basically needs, not basically, she does need help to get up, to make a few steps to one, uh, to one area of the room or the other, but needs help. And yet to be around Lisa is to be encouraged. And I want you to hear Lisa's story. Well, Lisa, thanks for uh, joining us. I can't wait for the new Cub people to hear your story. And the fact that you are basically confined to your chair 24-7 and it's located in the middle of your house, so yes. there's very little privacy. How do you contend or hear the voice of God on a consistent basis? I first had to look up what contend means. It's not a word I use. And the word I took out of the dictionary was battle. How do I battle to hear the Lord's word? Because to hear his voice is a battle. And I have to switch off the TV, which is my constant companion. But there's movement around me all the time. There's people using the kitchen, walking through. We have two adult children and my husband. We all live here. And I have to learn to listen. And it's something I developed many years ago. I've always wanted it quiet around me so I can listen. And Tell me about the you version. You told me that oh, that's working for you. A few years back, I've been gradually deteriorating for the past 10 or 12 years. And for a while, I was totally, I had vertigo for six years. I couldn't read anything. I couldn't read the Bible. And I just quit reading the Bible. I'd listen occasionally, but you know, I, I had version, but I just didn't, 
I was distracted. I didn't do it. And I began, I put that version verse a day that you can subscribe to. I don't know what to call it. And it pops up on my phone every day for a while that reminded me. And I, and that's all I did every day was that smart, that verse that popped up. And then gradually I came back to doing their Bible studies on the U version. I, there's so many wonderful ones. Wow. I'll put in a word and it'll tell me which ones they have for that. I so agree with that. That's, that has been so helpful for so many at New Cove. Hey, tell me Lisa about how God has met you where you are. There have been a couple of ways that God has really revealed himself in the midst of where you are. God never leaves you ever. And that's something I have to remember. It's not God. He's never forgotten me. One thing that's very obvious, a few years back on a Friday, I came home from the doctor and it took my son and my husband to get me back up the steps into the house. The next day on Saturday, our connection class showed up without us asking and built a ramp. They had gotten the permits. They brought the concrete. They brought everything. And they built a ramp up to the back door. And that Monday, when I went back to the doctor, I could no longer do stairs. And I've never done them again. Without the ramp, I couldn't have gotten out of the house. God knew in advance. He knew what, you know, what permits you needed what equipment you needed, what people were needed. They all came together and got it done without us asking. We never thought of it. And God knew, and he did it. Talk about uh, George for a moment. I know you could go on and on. I could, yes. But he is, he's my caregiver. He's my husband, and 24-7, he's my caregiver. Is that enough to do? No, he has a full-time job. Is that enough to do? No, he's the housekeeper, the laundress. He takes care of our pets. And most of the time he's our cook, although our daughter does try to come home and cook after work for us in the evening. But he does all of that for me and he never complains. He's also my best friend. And that is a total gift from God. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of your husband for sure. Me too. <laughs> hey, tell me in... The last thing I wanted you to touch base on, uh, a couple weeks ago, we used the phrase, just because you're in the wilderness doesn't mean you have to be in the ditch. And you texted me after church and said, my chair is not my ditch. Tell me about that. It could be. um, It's your attitude, too. But my chair doesn't control me. It doesn't tell me who I am. I'm, I'm God's. So I'm in my chair. I'm not in a ditch and I'm so grateful to have this chair. It's one of those power chairs. I couldn't live without it, but I couldn't live without God even more. It's much more important than my chair. He has provided it for me so that I know as I sit here, sometimes I just feel him around me. He doesn't let go. Lisa, thank you. That is amazing and uh you have been such a source of encouragement to Karen and me and have taken interest in us and prayed for us and it's a privilege for you to be part of the new cove family thank we you love new cove <laughs> thank you you bet yeah <clears throat> so hope is not a situation 
Hope is not a location. Hope is not a possession. Hope is not an experience. Hope is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And our prayer for all of us would be that we would put our hope and trust in Jesus Christ and not in situations to change. Um, man, I pray that that would be the way our church would always respond, that we would choose his presence over anything else. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that as we um, now decide what are we going to believe about you, that we would allow Scripture to drive our theology. And Father, may we align our lives to the fact that you are with us, that you are all-knowing, that you have plans to give us a future and a hope, and that you will always be with us. Father, may we contend for that voice that says you love us and care for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it just gets better and better. We get to receive and share communion together. In just a moment, uh, in the middle of the song, we will uh, share communion. And uh, you might want to prepare for that. We'll take it all together. And as you listen to the words of this song, may you align your life to the lyrics. May you say, God, may this be true of me, and may we put our hope and trust in Christ.